This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. You'll never know, you'll never know, you'll never know, you'll never know. This is a story that took place in New York in 1973. Daniel Landberg was born a normal baby. And just like every baby that was born at that time, he was taken to the nursing station to clean his eyes and to clean out the umbilical cord. What was used is silver nitrate for the eyes and silver nitrate for the umbilical cord. But the silver nitrate used for the eyes is 1% solution and used for the umbilical cord is 70 times stronger. By mistake, the nurse put the 70 times stronger solution into Daniel's eyes. And he began to scream in horrific pain. When the doctors rushed into the room, they were able to somewhat calm the baby by reducing the pain temporarily. But when everything was over, they saw that the baby had been blinded and scarred for life. The parents were overcome with agony and pain over their child's suffering and also over the injustice of this mistake that was made. The doctors kept telling them that the damage was irreversible, but the parents didn't give up. They knew that nothing was wrong with the boy's eyes at a certain level, and that maybe there was a doctor who could heal their son. So they decided to go from doctor to doctor, and expert to expert, and eventually they came to one world-renowned professor who was so angry at them, he actually screamed at them and kicked them out of his office for wasting his time, because it was helpless. They continued trying to find other experts, and every time that they would come to a new eye expert, the person would say to them, listen, it's hopeless. You just need to accept the fact that your son is going to be blind and teach him to live a life as a blind person. It's not such a bad thing. There are many blind people who are successful in life. But the parents couldn't accept this, and they decided that they would continue to try to find a doctor that could help them. They eventually ended up at a Dr. Hornblass, and as opposed to the other doctors, he was willing to take his time. The Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he said, everybody needs a Ophechaver, a friend doctor, or a doctor who is like a friend. And what he meant by that is a doctor who can take the time and really care about you, which I can tell you from personal experience is not always so easy to find. I was fortunate to find one in Jerusalem, but it took me many years until I did. And the same thing with this family. They finally found this Dr. Hornblast, and he was willing to take new tests, take new samples, x-rays. He kept charts and notes, and he kept saying, maybe maybe there's the possibility of a cure, at least more than they've had up until now. He told the parents that the treatment would take a month and it would take a few months to see the results. So even though the parents were a little bit stressed out, their spirits were lifted by the optimistic message of Dr. Hornblass. Three months later, he called them into his office and sat them down and he said, I'm really sorry, I've done my best, but there really is no hope for your son. It's irreversible and your son is going to be blind for the rest of his life. The Landberg were broken. They didn't know what to do. And they decided, okay, we've done everything. We've been to everyone. There's nothing more we can do. We'll just have to accept our fate. Mr. Landberg, whose first name is George, decided he was going to take a few weeks off of work. He was working as an English teacher in a couple of schools. One of them was the Lubavitch Torah Academy in Brooklyn. And the first school didn't ask any questions. They 
gave him the vacation time. But the Lubavitcher Torah Academy, they wanted to know, what's going on? How come you're taking a vacation now? George ran into one of the fellow teachers in the yeshiva there, a rabbi named Menachem Mendel Tenenbaum, who said, why are you taking this vacation now? What's going on? So George, he looked at the rabbi and he started to cry. And he said, we've been to all the doctors, we've been to all the experts, and we've really been to all the experts. And they all said... We just have to accept that our son Daniel is going to be blind. So Rabbi Tenenbaum, he said to George, did you ever write a letter to the Lubavitcher Rebbe? George had heard lots of stories about the Rebbe working in this school, but he didn't believe in any of it. He didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in Rebbe's. He didn't believe in miracles. He said every normal person knew that this was all just a superstition. There were no such things as miracle makers, especially in our day and age. But Rabbi Tenenbaum, he insisted. He said, what do you have to lose? Just write a letter to the Rebbe. You just put all of your problems into the letter. At least give it a try. You've got nothing to lose. So George, he thinks to himself, all right, what can it hurt? I'm just going to write a letter. And the rabbi here is insisting he's going to make sure that it gets to the Rebbe. So George says, okay. And the rabbi said to him, here's how it works. Go to the other room there, sit down, and just start writing a letter. And when you're finished, I'll hand it over to the rabbi. So George is writing his letter, and he's almost finished. The rabbi comes over to him, and he says to George, let me ask you a personal question. Do you put on tefillin during the week? And George just shrugged his shoulders and said, nope. So the rabbi said, listen, George, getting a blessing is like getting rain. The rain doesn't help unless the land has been plowed and planted beforehand. So you're going to ask the Rebbe for a bracha. You're going to ask him for a blessing. And you really should make a vessel for it. Why don't you make the vessel putting on tefillin every weekday? George thought to himself, this is ridiculous. This is the 20th century. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Judaism. It's an ancient religion. I'm a modern intelligent, rational man. But he figured if this will make the difference and my son will be able to see, sure, I'll tell the Rebbe that I'm going to put on tefillin. And if the Rebbe doesn't come through with his promise, I've got nothing to lose. I'll just stop wearing tefillin. So right there on the spot, of course, Rabbi Tenenbaum puts tefillin on George and he writes it in the letter. Dear Rebbe, I just put on tefillin with Rabbi Tenenbaum and I promise to put on tefillin every day should your blessing come through. So the next day, the rabbi took the letter to the Rebbe and right away, the day after, they received an answer. Rabbi Tenenbaum was very excited and he read the answer in Yiddish to George, who didn't understand Yiddish, so the rabbi translated it for him. George still had his doubts. He was putting on tefillin like he promised, but he didn't expect much to happen. The next day, when George returned home from work, his wife was very emotional, and she told him, you have to look at Daniel. Something has changed with him. A few times I saw him reacting to the light. I could see that he seems to follow things. So the next day, George and his wife took Daniel to Dr. Hornblass, who made a short examination, and then stood up very angrily. What is wrong with you two? Have you been to another doctor without telling me? After all the time and energy that I spent on you, you could have at least told me. The couple was in shock and they said, of course we haven't been to another doctor. What are you talking about? And Dr. Hornblast said, well, if that's the case, then I don't understand because your son is beginning to see. It's a medical impossibility, but I'm sitting here watching a miracle unfold right in front of my eyes. So then George told him about the letter to the Rebbe and the answer from the Rebbe and his promise to put on tefillin. Several months later, Daniel's eyesight returned totally. And five years later, when he was seven years old, he underwent plastic surgery that removed all of the scars and allowed him to see 100% normally as he would have had the accident not happened. 
This whole story actually appeared in the October 1976 issue of the New York State Journal of Medicine, but there was no mention of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. However, the Landberg family knows the truth, and to this day, every day, except for the Holy Shabbos, George puts on tefillin, and so does his son Daniel. <laughs> supporter of this podcast by going to HasidicStory.com, H-A-S-I-D-I-C-Story.com.